sorry, I, I was laughing because Barry usually nudges me and says, okay, go up. But he wasn't sitting by me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys, welcome to our Mother's Day service. I just want to welcome all the moms, all of our spiritual moms, all the visitors. Uh, we're so thankful that you're here. You know, Mother's Day is a special time. It's one day that you don't hopefully have to cook or clean and you can just really enjoy just resting, right? Us moms, we really need to rest. So each, uh, each one of us here has had a mom, right? Some of us has had good moms, some absentee, and maybe some might be more difficult. But this morning, God wants to encourage us how to be a godly mom based on his word. So we're gonna look at the book of Titus for encouragement. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this Mother's Day service. We already feel so full by watching the babies and the child getting dedicated to you. And uh, we see what moms do around the world. They love, they comfort, they, they need love and comfort themselves as well. So I pray this morning that all of our moms here uh, will just feel uh, the love of Jesus um, over their hearts. And when I look out um, and I see all of the women here, I just feel so encouraged because one thing that women do as well is they cheer each other on. So uh, when I see all of our callous women and our moms, yeah, I just feel so loved and I love the love we have for one another. So I pray you be with our service, Lord. May it honor you and may it honor each of our special mothers here today. And we pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in the verses that we're going to look at, Paul is speaking to Titus, who is a young pastor, and he's one of his spiritual sons. So uh, this is what Paul instructs Titus to do. Titus 2, 1 to 5 says this, You, however, Paul's talking to Titus, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. So Crete was a hard place to live in. In the chapter prior, it said Cretans were evil, liars, and lazy. And some of that spirit had spilled on to the church. So part of what Paul is telling Titus, because Titus is a young pastor, he's saying, teach them how to have a Christian home. Everybody has responsibilities in the home. The older men, the younger men, the older women, the younger women, and servants. So Paul seems to be saying Crete will not be right until the church is right. And the church will not be right until the home is right. So moms, we have responsibilities in our homes. This morning, I'm just going to share three things that a godly mom does. Number one, a godly mom treasures and she reads the Bible. Paul says in Titus 2.1, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. When a teaching is sound, it's found in the Bible, it keeps Jesus Christ in the center, and it results in consistently good behavior and actions, and it promotes uh, love, right, for one another. 
So in other words, uh, we, the way we live our lives is a confession of our faith. We are doers of the word. We're not just hearers. We walk the talk. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says this. This says this about the Bible. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. You know, I love this last line in 2 Timothy. It says the word, which is Jesus, shapes us. Right, something is shaping each and every one of us today. It is either God or it's the world. So really quickly, I'm gonna share 10 things that daily Bible reading can do for us moms. The first thing it does, it can inspire you. You know, when you read a story in the Old Testament like David and Goliath, and you, you hear how David only had five stones and a slingshot, and he slays the giant that everybody is afraid of. It's because God is on his side. So for us moms, whatever giants or fears or anxiety that we're facing today, we can overcome it because we have the Lord. So anytime you read a Bible story, it's real, it's true. You can claim it for yourself and it can inspire you. The next thing Bible reading does, it speaks truth to you. You know, when I was 18 and I was thinking of uh, searching for God and being a Christian, I didn't really know what that meant. I remember I borrowed a friend's Bible in high school, and the first passage I looked at was 1 Corinthians 13. It said, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. And that, me picking up a Bible and looking up what love is, it sent me on this truth to find out what is true love. Because you know when you're in high school, you're 18, you're kind of looking for the special one, <laughs> right? And that's what I was kind of doing. I was trying to think, who should I go to the prom? <laughs> so I grabbed that Bible and I thought, maybe this will help me. But the interesting thing was that verse grabbed me and it started me on this trajectory of finding out what true love is. And I started going to Guardiana Valley Baptist. I started hearing their preaching. And I realized true love was when Jesus died on the cross for me, confessing my sin and having a relationship with him. So the Bible clearly directed me to the truth. Another thing the Bible reading does, it will teach you, right? Every day when you pick it up, you get to know him. You get to know God's heartbeat. You get to know what he loves. You get to know what he hates. You get to know what's good for you. And it gives you a... Uh, fear of the Lord where you learn more and more about his power. So every day when I pick up that Bible, I'm excited because I know God's going to teach me something. And as parents, we're always teaching our kids teachable moments, right? And anything that they're doing, it's the same thing when you have time with the Lord, right? He teaches you. And number four, it guides you. The Bible guides you. We're living in a world now where we need to be guided. We don't want to be guided by our feelings. We want to be guided by God's word. So every morning, well, not every morning, but a lot, I'll walk in the morning, right? It's pitch dark. I like going when the sun's just peering over. But in the morning, it's hard for me to see, right? I'm getting ready. I'm like bumping into furniture. So I started using my iPhone flashlight. And when I put my flashlight on, I don't stumble. I don't get bruised. And I don't hit the furniture because I don't want to wake up my husband. Same thing. Every day, ba daily Bible reading it makes you not stumble, because we live in a dark world now. 
Number five, it corrects you. When I read the Bible, I get all these ouch moments. <laughs> when I read a passage and I feel convicted. So you know how as parents we have to correct our children because you want to keep them safe? God does the same thing in a loving way to us. So in one way I had an ouch moment was I read a story about Mary, how she poured expensive perfume on Jesus be before he was going to go to the cross, right? And then people were ragging on her like, why are you wasting all that money? But I realized Mary had this extravagant love for the Lord. And sometimes you could judge people for their extravagant love for the Lord. Like for instance, like a church. If we see people praising God or dancing or, or doing things that maybe I wouldn't do, it's easy to judge and say, well, I don't do that, so there's something wrong with that. But no, each one of us shows God a different extravagant love that's suitable for us, so the Bible corrects. Number six, makes you wise, gives you wisdom. Number seven, prolongs your life. There's many Bible verses that say, if you fear the Lord, you're going to live a long life. It says, if you obey me, if you obey your parents, it says you will live a long life. Number eight, it will transform you. Daily Bible reading will transform you. You know, my small group, we're doing a Bible app um, every day this year. It's the New Testament in a year. And um, we write about what we get from the scriptures. But it's neat because I could see transformation in each of my small group girls. They are reading the Bible on a daily basis and I could see transformation in their lives. Number nine, it makes you prosperous and successful. You know, when you hear prosperous and successful, sometimes you think in the world's way, but God has an upside down kingdom. Being successful in his kingdom is, if you wanna be first, you gotta be last. If you wanna be great, you have to be a servant. If you wanna find your life, you have to lose it. And the Bible says, hey, don't exalt yourself because you could get humbled. Humble yourself and then God will exalt you. And the last thing is, the Bible tells us the future. You know, some parts of the Bible is a mystery, like God doesn't tell us everything. I think we probably couldn't take it. <laughs> we probably couldn't comprehend it, right? But he tells us the future. He says, when I come back, I'm gonna come down on a cloud. I'm gonna be visible for everybody. In the end times, you're gonna, there's gonna be wars, there's gonna be earthquakes, there's gonna be a lot of marriages taking place. Like, the Bible tells us about the future. And he does talk about his coming wrath. God is a righteous God, but he, he warns us. And I think I love that about daily Bible reading. I get a full picture of the Lord. You know, um, moms, you know, we want to be the best moms that we can be. You know, and like Trisha shared, sometimes we fail. And we, all, we all stumble, we all fall. But Jesus Christ is the one that's perfect. You know, so we can shine when we keep God first in our lives and our instruction and wisdom is from the word. So it's like when Moses came down from the mountain, his face glowed, right? Where other people could see it. And Exodus 34, 29 says his face was radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. You know, moms, that's my prayer for all of us, right? That we will have a glow, that we will be radiant because we speak to the Lord. Uh, the second characteristic of a godly mom is a godly mom encourages. You know, in this verse, Paul says, teach the older women not to be slanderers. A way we don't slander is we encourage. Titus 2.3 says this, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, 
not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but teach what's good. You know, the Greek word for slander in the Bible is diabolus, which is translated devil. It's used 34 times in the New Testament. The word slander paints a vivid picture. It literally means to throw between. So just as Satan threw lies to Eve to get between her relationship to her and God, the devil does the same thing today. He tries to create havoc between people. So if you're in havoc today with your child or your spouse or somebody, the enemy is there to throw stuff between us. You know, so as believers, right, we're not to spread lies, we're not to speak falsely. As moms, right, we're not to gossip. We're not to get information from somebody else and spread it to somebody else. We are to encourage and speak in love. You know, there's power in words, right? Words are very telling because it reveals what's inside of your heart. So right now I'm gonna read over a few phrases and I want you to think, okay, what kind of week did I have with my vocabulary this week? Okay, a heart filled with bitterness speaks angry words. A heart filled with forgiveness speaks gracious words. A heart filled with entitlement speaks complaining words. A heart filled with gratitude speaks uplifting words. A heart filled with guilt speaks harsh words. A heart filled with peace speaks tender words. A heart filled with condemnation speaks judgmental words. And a heart filled with love speaks compassionate words. A heart filled with rejection speaks resentful words. A heart filled with acceptance speaks kind words. A heart filled with grumbling speaks negative words. And a heart filled with thanksgiving speaks positive words. A heart filled with jealousy speaks words of gossip. A heart filled with contentment speaks words of blessing. A heart filled with self-righteousness speaks critical words. And a heart filled with hope speaks encouraging words. When we see this list, we know our words bring either life or they bring death. You know, if this past week, you know, as a mom, if your words were more biting, <laughs> that's okay. The Lord is just after your heart, right? A godly mom has encouragement on her lips. She realizes that if her vocabulary is negative, she just has to give God her heart and her hurts and then he'll cover her, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So right now, we're going to have Ashlyn Oyakawa. She's going to come up and share how her mom, Christine, encourages her. Good morning, everyone. Um, like Auntie Dale said, um, my mom is Christine. Oh gosh, okay, I could do it. Um, uh, um, my mom is Christine Oyakawa. Um, so I just want to um, start off by reading a few passages um, from Pro Proverbs, Proverbs 31. Um, the first one is Proverbs 31:21. Um, when it snows, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. I could do, okay. Um, Proverbs 31, 25, 31. 
She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She, be, she speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her, that her hands have done, and let her words bring her praise at the city gate. All of these things describe my mom. There are a few things, that, however, that I want to highlight. The first one is she has no fear for her household. My mom is probably the strongest fighter that anyone has ever seen or will ever meet. My family has gone through three major, three major um, health scares, more than anyone should ever have to deal with. And it wasn't, and she had to watch all of us go through it. But yet, she stood by us without a wince of fear. Now, I don't know about you, but I break down at any sign of fear, and I'm very unconfrontational. But yet, my mom, she faces confrontation, and she faces a fight without turning away. She doesn't fear for anything, and she looks to God always. That is something that I admire about my mom. Not everyone could do what she does. She held our family together, and she was our foundation. When we had, when there was a, a, very little belief in ourselves, I couldn't have gone through what I've gone through without my mom, because while I was breaking down, she was there to protect me. She stood in front of the devil, and she said, not today. Now, another thing that I would like to highlight is that she is clothed with strength and dignity. Every time my mom walks into a room, you know that she's there. It's not by what she says, it's not by what she wears, but it's because of how she carries herself. She may not agree with me, but it's true. She's very dignified and she, she carries herself in a way that everyone can notice. It's confident and it's just graceful. Another thing that I would like to highlight is that she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Now, a lot of people praise me for what I do, but it, wouldn't be because, but it isn't because of me. In fact, it's because of my mom. I wouldn't be where I am with, without my mom guiding me and encouraging me to do things that I'm afraid to do. I wouldn't have finished my first year of grad school without my mom encouraging me to keep going. I wouldn't even have applied to grad school had it not been for her believing in me. Because for me, I didn't believe that I could do it, and I was afraid to fail. Like always, I'm afraid to do things, and sometimes I stop myself from doing it. But my mom's the one who keeps encouraging me and tells me to keep going, even when I really don't want to do it and I fight her along through it. But yet, she still encourages me and tells me not to back down. And the, the last thing I would like to highlight is honor her for all that her hands have done and let her words bring her praise to the city gate. My mom does a lot for me and a lot for my family. And I don't always honor her, and I also say things that I probably shouldn't and that hurt her. But again, she walks alongside me and she honors me. 
and I can't thank her enough for what she's done for me, for walking alongside me and going through any mental health issues or emotional problems that I may be dealing with. And for me lashing out, she still walks alongside me and encourages me every day to keep going. So for that, I want to say I'm sorry, Mom, for not always honoring you. But I want to thank you for encouraging me. <laughs> I want to thank you for encouraging me and bringing me to where I am. My mom is the reason why I'm here today and why I'm doing so much. Everything I do is because of her. And again, I can't thank her enough for that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ashlyn, for sharing about your beautiful mother. And Ashlyn, you are a beautiful daughter to her as well. So thank you. Um, yeah, so that's an encouraging mom. They fight for you. They believe in you. They're with you during the highs and the lows. So yeah, thank you, Ashlyn. So the last thing about being a godly mom, besides reading the Bible and encouraging, uh, the last one is a godly mother is kind. Um, in verse 5, it says, um, teach the younger woman to be self-controlled and pure, be busy at home, and to be kind. Kind in the Bible means to do good to others. Kindness doesn't just happen. We have to be purposeful about it because we're imperfect people. Ephesians 4 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. You know, one thing that has helped me be more kind as a mother and a wife is the kindness challenge. I started noticing that, especially with my husband, Barry, I mentioned this before, that sometimes I'm really unkind to him. Uh, you know, I take him for granted. We've been married 35 years. <laughs> I treat him like a little pillow, you know, just right next to me. It, you know, it, and, that's not, and that's not right, right? So after the holidays, I got sick, and I was just really, I mentioned I was mean. So then I saw this kindness challenge. This is the second time I've done it. So what it is is um, um, you direct kindness towards somebody in your life that you want to. It could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be a coworker, right? And then um, Shanti, who, who did this, she's a Harvard graduate. She worked was an analyst on Wall Street, and she studied about kindness. And she realized that um, being kind to people, especially if un is undeserved, Barry's deserved though, <laughs> he, he's deserved, you, you change, right? Something changes in you, not especially in the person you're doing it towards, um, but in you. So um, what it does, it involves three things, and he didn't know I was doing this. So if you do a kindness challenge, don't tell them, hey, I'm doing this for you. Just keep it on the down low. So it involves three things for 30 days, Number one, you say nothing negative to them or about them to anybody else. Nix the negativity, none, for a whole month. And the second thing is you say something positive or you praise them. And the third thing is you do a small act of kindness or generosity towards them. 
And then when you sign up for it, you could just, in the search engine, just type in 30 Day Kindness Challenge. You answer a few questions and they send it to you in your email for 30 days. And they'll do simple things like leave the last piece of dessert for your person or write them a note or think of a chore that they do on a regular basis, right, and thank them. So it, I was on like day 16 of the challenge and in my inbox, it was a Sunday morning, it said this, think of something your person does that bothers you and think of the positive side of it. So I'm like, okay, I could do that. So I said, okay, one thing that Barry does that might bother me, right, is he's forgetful, right? He'll forget things at home and then I have to go home and help him retrieve items, right? And so I said, okay, what's the positive side of this? Oh, he's flexible. If I forget something or if other, other people forget things, he's fine with it. He doesn't get his panties in a bunch. He's, he's cool with it. Well, just, yeah, he, he's cool with it, right? So then, lo and behold, it's, I read that in my inbox. Sunday, I'm at church. It's 9.40 a.m. Church starts at 10. I, was getting, I came here early to get things in, and he calls me on the phone, and he says, hey, Dale, are you at home? Whenever he says, Dale, are you at home, I know he forgot something. So I'm like, oh, I'm actually at church. I said, did you forget something? Do you need me to go home and retrieve it? And he's like, yeah, can you do this for me? So that day, I went home, and I got to tell you guys, I was so happy because my heart was cheerful. If Barry had done this to me two months prior, when I was sick and not feeling good, I would have retrieved the item for him, but I would have done it in an unkind driving home, talking in the car to myself, like, oh my gosh, he forgot it again. Can he keep his ducks in a row? Can he keep it on the glass table? And when he walks out, he takes it with him. But, so that day, I was so thankful. So it helped me, the kindness challenge helped me not to look at negativity, but it helped me look at the positive sides, sides of things. So focusing on the positive instead of a, the negative is a habit that you can build on. So in her research, she talks about seven types of negativity that people don't really think they have. The first one is this, this will be hard. This is that knee-jerk reaction that stopping negativity is gonna be hard work. This is when you tell yourself, I cannot change how I think or how I speak to somebody. The next one, exasperation, irritation, and pointing out mistakes. This is when you might do a negative sigh, you might speak to somebody in a dissatisfied tone, or you might tell somebody, one of your kids, like, how many times do I have to tell you this? Next one, sarcasm. This is when you cut somebody down, you tease, or you trash talk. You know, I see this happen a lot. You know, somebody will tease me, but then they're kind of doing a jab. So when I walk away, I'm like, I think they were being negative. <laughs> the next one is grumble, grumble. We grumble over what's not right, right? We see a situation, we criticize how something's handled, and we complain. The next one is you hurt me, I hurt you. This is when you're constantly being annoyed and irritated and upset and angry at somebody. You keep replaying past hurts, and it's hard to forgive. The next one is suspicion. This is when we think the worst of somebody's intentions without even giving them a more generous explanation for their actions. And the last one is catastrophizing. This is when you say, oh my gosh, if this person joins my business team, we're gonna go down in flames. Like this is gonna like not work out. Like we all have negativity in us, but God wants kindness. So this 30 day kindness challenge, it helped me get out of my self-centered ways and it helped me to be more kind. So I know moms, you might be thinking, damn, 
why are you talking about the kindness challenge? Like my spouse that's sitting next to me or my kids should be doing it for me. Today's Mother's Day. But trust me, when you do this challenge, kindness becomes a habit in you. And God starts to spotlight things in your own heart instead of pointing the finger at somebody else. So in closing, you guys, I'm going to wrap it up with this one verse. Paul closes the chapter when he's talking to Titus, and he says this, Titus 3, 4 to 6. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So moms, this morning, right, we can be godly by being kind and encouraging because God has done this for us. God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't done and modeled for you first. So I'm going to close over our time right now over the moms, okay? Um, dear Father, I, I thank you for all the moms here. I know as moms, we carry a lot of weight, right? We carry our children, we carry their dreams, we carry their future. Whatever our kids go through, we go through. And it is painful sometimes. So Father, I pray for each mom here that you will encourage them in any area of their heart that they need to give to you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for being a wonderful example to us. And we pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Moms, you're going to get the gifts. It'll be after the last worship segment, okay? Thanks for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It'll be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.